This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. There's a lot of jowl going on. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Redone to deep left center field. Arise at the warning track at the wall and it's gone. Anthony Rendon's first hit of the series is his 33rd home run. And the Nationals on the board first lead it one to nothing. Down the line toward the corner. Will it stay fair? It will. That one is long gone. Out to the plaza. A line drive smash for Adam Eaton is 14th of the year. And the Nationals have a two-run lead once again. It's 4-2. Deep left field. Arise twisting, turning, it's over his head, and it's gone! It clears a line drive home run. Soto has the team home run lead back. That's number 34. Robles started a run, then stops as Gomes drives one to deep right center. Lamar chasing, looking up, this is way back there, and it is gone off the facing of the second deck. (laughs) Jan Gomes takes one out to the opposite field for his 10th home run. The Nationals get two big runs back, and they lead the ball game 12-6. I got the point. Like four four highlights ago. No, I think it's... I think the point's not to you. I think it's to uh, guys that, that might actually work at Target Field. I think that's what the point was. The point was get your act together and get certain players off the roster. Actually, I think that I, was Phil's point. Can I? Because I love the I love the line you've got on the prep sheet. Can I give you one? What's my, oh, <laughs> the second line on the prep sheet. I, I, honestly, God, I didn't even know that I wrote that. I was, <laughs> it's it's very mean. Go ahead, but it's pretty funny. Honestly, it's just, I didn't even remember that I wrote that. You on the blacked prep. out. It's it's you had simply twins so, rage and blacked out and wrote this down. Phil, so Phil puts together our prep sheet, <laughs> and the second item from Twins Indian series starts tonight is. Cole Stewart is a joke. <laughs> and that's all it says. Yeah. All right. Cole uh, Stewart. Let's start with Cole Stewart for a second. By the way, the Twins are still winning the division. Okay. They're still going to win the division. Despite Cole Stewart last night. You know, here's what bugs me. You don't have to just wave the white flag when you're down in a game. Okay. All right. You're down a couple runs early. This is the greatest. Well, it, up until like a couple days ago. It's one of the greatest power-hitting teams in baseball history, okay? Just because you fall down two runs, three runs, even four runs in the middle of a game doesn't mean you have to wave the white flag and run Cole Stewart out there against the Nationals. And I don't know, like, do they look at him and say, okay, yep, that was a fourth overall pick, that dude was a stud prospect, and we've got a few things that if he can just make this little adjustment, he's going to blow away Anthony Rendon a couple of times in this game. Because, like, that's not happening. This guy can't even get minor league hitters out, okay? 
Cole Stewart in AAA, and he's 24 years old now. He's been in the minor leagues for like seven years. Seven years as a number four overall pick, and he can't figure it out, okay? This guy has a five-and-a-half ERA at AAA, and you're putting him in in a winnable game, a winnable game against the Washington Nationals and that lineup to do what? To give up crooked numbers? To, like, test the outfield wall padding? Well, let's see how far this ball could ricochet off the it wall. It did the long way. Like, at center field? Oh, yeah. The, what that is was the impressive. It was. So I was like, bang! <laughs> They're still going to win the division, but, like, that was such an unnecessary thing to do I to put seen, Cole Stewart in that game last night. I haven't seen Phil this worked up since he was tearing Andrew Wiggins apart limb from limb before he jumped on the Andrew Wiggins bandwagon. Yeah, I'm buying Andrew Wiggins stock. I know. Yeah, can't wait are to you get gonna that. Buying, are you going to be buying Cole Stewart stock no, in a year? Never. No, No. Are you sure? No. Okay. Oh, wait, wait, wait. If, if he's uh, with the Saints at this time next year, you might be. He might be dominant in independent league baseball. He might be. It's possible. He might dominate the American Association to an extent that we have not seen before. Okay, like, like again, like last year, so double A. This guy, double A, Chattanooga. He had a five ERA so, at double A Chattanooga last year. So this, Why is he pitching in the major leagues right now? He's not good. So this provides an interesting point that I brought up today on the Twin Show with Wetmore. And here's my question. Unlike Royce, the, the the lineup construction for the last two games, I'm not upset about because guys are legitimately probably hurt. And, and okay, if they can sit out and you lose a couple games to Washington, I, I know it's not fun to watch, but if they can get healthy during that time period, I'm fine there, okay? So I'll start off by, by saying, now, the Plaga one might be weird, but, you know, if Kepler and Snow and Gonzalez can't play, they just can't play. So, okay. But here's what I don't get. So if I... Go along with the theory that Rocco and Derek and Thad's lineup construction and decisions going into games is just fine. I don't get this. I don't get Cole Stort last night. I don't get Garver not pitch hitting in Wednesday night's game. I don't get, we talked about this one, Ryan Lamar um, hitting on Sunday with a chance, I think, to come back and tie that game against Cleveland. When Nelson Cruz, who I know he's got a bad wrist, but I mean, he's playing through it, right? So the in-game stuff from Rocco is much more so of what I don't get. Because if guys have to, if you can't start a guy, you can't start a guy. But there were at least three opportunities that I named there where the games were close enough that it doesn't make sense as to why you would sort of punt at those times. Yeah, because some of this you can point at and go, well, he doesn't have great options with all the injuries and, and guys who are who are in slumps or who aren't pitching great right now. His options are limited, but you just named three things he could have done right there that... Seemed to all of us like would have been better choices than what he ended up going with, and it, we can judge results. He's a spy. It's not always fun. Baldelli is a spy. It's not always fair to judge results, but I don't think these are crazy things to 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 point at and say he could, he could have done that instead. Yeah, I think he's done. I think there's there's two purposes of a manager, and sometimes we probably disproportionately focus on one of the two things. I think the most important thing you can do as a as a manager is to set an environment. For eight months, because these dudes are playing almost every day when you count spring training games that start in late February. And then if you play into October, I mean, it's like it's nine months, almost nine full months of being around each other every day. Set an environment that allows players to perform as close to their peak potential as possible, right? Through what and whether that's through guys just like enjoying being at work. Uh, through guys feeling healthy, guys getting the right tools they need, video, like all those different things that go into it. Can you set the environment up in a way where Max Kepler can perform as close to his 100th percentile as possible? And for that, Rocco Baldelli has been great, I think, this year. And I actually think 
you know, if you're going to start to rank like a pie chart of what are the most important things you can do, I think that's 75 or 80% of it. But it's hard to quantify it, right? It's hard. We don't really know what he's doing on a minute by minute basis behind the scenes. The other area, though, the other, for me, the other like 20% of it, the in game stuff that you can see, lineups or late game adjustments or putting Cole Stewart in a game last night that you can win. <laughs> That you can win. Like, if you're not up or down by 10 runs, he does not need to be standing on the mound holding a baseball, okay? That's puzzling to me. And I think I think Baldelli's done mostly a good job in that regard, too. But there's like there's been some things, including, I don't know, putting Cole Stewart on the mound last night. That's that my, that's make me scratch the one my head. That, that's weird. And, and you know what? If it's a problem, Rocco, put your cell phone in your back pocket. We'll text you during games because it happens now all the time, right? I mean, the Mets are doing it every game. We'll text you, and we'll and he'll he'll text you. Should I get KS up? And you can text absolutely not. Here's what you should do. Unless KS stands for Kramarchuk sausages. Well, no, I'm if you want to go and get some Kramarchuks, that's a great idea. But I mean, you know, Phil let's text back. Are you up nine runs? Hashtag sarcasm. Are you up? Question mark nine runs. But that is the one, the, the in-game stuff is a little bit weird, and those three that I pointed to, it's just sort of like, okay, this doesn't make a lot of sense. Because, yeah, I mean, he's done a good job. And and to backtrack, if you can put guys out there tonight and Snow and, let's say, Kepler are fine, then good, great, good move. You rested them. That's fine. But, yeah, Cole Stewart, Mitch, Gar- Mitch Garver left on the bench. Still, I don't get that. The Mitch the Mitch Garver thing is uh, is going to be very interesting. Actually, I was just recording with Doogie for the Scoop uh, podcast, which you're going to find here right after our show. Are you on a Scoop? I made my Scoop debut today. Not like he, he what was your he, Scoop show, but I didn't have a Scoop. He just wanted to talk about twins and playoff scenarios. And uh, Mitch Garver's name came up. I think because in a five game ALDS series, you're going to get game game off day, game game game. Yeah. And you want Nelson Cruz as your DH for all of those games. If you play five, I want Nelson Cruz DHing for all five of those games unless he's not hurt. Uh, so Mitch Garver, I think, I think he has to just be catching. I, I'm okay getting him an extra day or two if, if, if you have a game against the Royals or the Tigers and you want to give him an extra day. But the, the more you can put Mitch Garver in that lineup, the better, obviously, for the Twins. Mm-hmm. And if you don't put him at catcher, now you have to make a decision. Does CJ Crone come out of the lineup? And now his thumb's bothering him, so he might actually only be operating at like sixty percent of his normal uh, CJ Cronery. But would Mitch play first base? Would they allow it? They That's don't seem the to. He's only played first base in like what one game yes. all year, and he hasn't played. He he can play corner outfield, but he hasn't played corner outfield all year. Yes. So these are some of these little like strategic lineup decisions. These are going to be big things that the Twins and Rocco Baldelli have to figure out. Not only down the stretch in the next two and a half weeks, but if they face the Yankees in a five game series in early October. So are you saying Garver at catcher every day, day I'm in saying, and day out down the stretch? Not in the regular season. I would say I think you have to give him some breathers here because um, he hasn't he hasn't caught that load all year. He's only caught like right. seventy five games or whatever it is, right? So you can't just like put him out there for two and a half weeks in the regular season. But I would start to ramp him up a little bit so that he's ready to catch pretty much every game in the postseason. He should catch all five games if you play five games of an ALDS series against the Yankees. He just should. He's your best hitter. But they're winning the division, right? Yes, they're going to win the division. As I okay. said yesterday, they have yeah, to. Unless they start 13, Cole Stewart tomorrow night. Have, have we th- seen the pitching problems thir- yet? You have 13 Is games Cole against... Pitch? But I, Cole Stewart. I guess uh, I'm a bit perplexed as to why Mitch Garver... W- 
was and subsequently worked in at first base now? Because Crone is hurt. Like, he's no, nowhere near full strength now. So if he could play first base and I could start Castro, and, and it's not that I love Castro, but it's an option. It just surprised, it surprised me that a team that seems to do a really good job across the board of utilizing guys at different spots doesn't do that one. Yeah, maybe they should utilize Cole Stewart on the bench. You need, you <laughs> You're need, not going to let this go, You are need you? to give this up. <laughs> you need to get, now, it was a bad move. I'm with you, and Cole Stewart should be with the uh, Sioux City Canaries or St. Paul Saints. But you need to let it go, Phil. I'm just picturing Phil six thirty tonight, white claw in his hand, sitting on the couch. Well, how about last night? And just mumbling, freaking Cole Stewart. <laughs> well, how about how about last night? Game in progress. <laughs> well, during the game, I get it, but it's been it's been like twenty hours, dude. Dick and Justin, <laughs> Mike Minato was great last night. Because he, he was in the booth for like half hour. That inning took so long, Mike Madonna was talking wild for 45 minutes. Cole Stewart. Ridiculous. And you know what, too? Hold on a second here, too. I appreciate your angst, but if we're really going to start down the path of pitching last night, we can start with Kyle Gibson. All right. Let's just tear this whole bandit off. I love how, like, Rami, at least Rami and I are like, they're going to win the division, but I need to get a few things off my chest here. That's kind of where I'm at with this right now. But go ahead, yeah. Kyle Gibson, who went uh, four and two thirds. This was such a. It's just not going to change. You can actually you can play a game and look at Twins pitcher box scores without looking at the name, and you can identify like all of the Kyle Gibson starts. Like this one, four and two thirds, eight hits, four walks. Who made the start? Ninety three pitches in four and two thirds. Kyle Gibson nibbling all over the place. A couple home runs allowed. Yeah, this was this was a. This was a very, like, there's, like, good Kyle Gibson pops up for, like, a month stretch, two-month stretch here and there, but this was classic bad Gibby last night. I saw Wasn't a Kyler tweet during the game last night. Like, Kyle Gibson is still very much Kyle Gibson. I was like, well, would you, like, he was going to go on the IL and then get the Steve Austin treatment? Like, they were going to build him up to be <laughs> bigger, head. stronger, faster? Like, he's like, what we did what do we think? He was going to be a completely different guy? Yeah, Gibby, Gibby 316 says, I just walked your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what people were expecting. First pitch from Kyle, 103. He's always been Kyle Gibson, and he's still Kyle Gibson. <laughs> um, so, all right, that felt good. That felt therapeutic. Everybody feeling better now? Lie. Are we yeah. good? All right. Judd, are you good? We're, yeah, because they are, I, I think they'll win one of three in Cleveland, not two of that's three, enough. one that, of three, but plenty. hold on a second. That's plenty. They're winning the division. Okay. You would have to, listen, guys, you would really have to work not to. Okay. Cleveland's got six tough games left. Yes, the Twins have three tough games. No, actually, no, Cleveland has nine tough games left. Okay. Because Cleveland plays the two, uh, they play the Phillies, the Nationals, and the Twins. Oh, but I'm saying on Monday, starting then, they've got six tough games left. Yeah. Do you guys really think that Cleveland is is going to get hot enough to burn through the Nationals and Phillies? I do not. The Nationals might not have anything to play for by then. Well, aren't you just Mr. The Sunshine? Fi- the Philly. Thanks a lot. Wow, that we just changed roles there. Give me back Judd. I want Judd back, Rami. I don't want to be Rami anymore. I want to be Judd. We just body swapped. Yeah. That was very weird. I, was, I got to back away from the mic for a second. By the way, this is uh, this might be like Rami's Kurt Schilling bloody sock game here. Rocking like half half of a migraine still. It's manageable right now. Okay. Half of a, can you have half a migraine? I came in at halftime, I guess you would say, because I was supposed to be on the 12 to 2 shift. Yeah. I was out and at halftime. I just come running out of the locker room for a heroic performance. Well, on Mackie and Judd well, let's read. Rami. 
Willis Reed. You limped Paul, out on the court. Paul yep. Pierce. <laughs> Paul Pierce. You had to go to the bathroom. We can't. <laughs> is that the rumor? Yes. No, I think he admitted to it. Well, I think he said he, I basically had to. He admitted to, to it, two? and then later said he was being sarcastic. Because people have been making that joke I'm ever sticking, since. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> All right, we're going to uh, have sage football wisdom here. Sage Rosenfels talking Vikings Packers. We also have, we might, we might pick open a, a 10-year wound here for Sage Rosenfels because Greg Williams said some interesting stuff today. Or was it yesterday? Whatever, at a press conference. So we'll get to that. Also, write that down later on in the show. And Leroy Butler, Packers Hall of Famer, will join us. A pack show on Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Luther Brookdale Toyota is one of our longtime sponsors here on this show. And they've been helping my family and I going back to the mid-1980s. And uh, myself, ever since I started driving, been taking cars in, trading cars in, uh, getting into new leases, and getting service at Luther Brookdale Toyota. I'm uh, going to go in for an oil change here sometime in the next couple of weeks, but I can't rave enough about the brand new 2019 RAV4 XLE that I have been driving. Uh, everything from the safety features to the technology to the spaciousness drives like a Camry or a Corolla, but has the spaciousness of uh, an SUV, obviously. There's a reason why it is one of the most popular vehicles in the world. Just stop in. You'll see the difference, and you'll experience it for yourself on the corner of 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. That would be Luther Brookdale Toyota. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. The Score North Fall Auction is underway with great items for up for grabs for, on home improvement, travel, heating and cooling, and much more. To view all the items and place your bid, visit scorenorth.com keyword auction. All right, thank you, Jonathan. It's Mackie and Jeff with Rami on the all-new Score North and the Score North mobile app. Don't forget Vikings Vent Line right after Vikings Packers this Sunday. As soon as that game hits 0 0 you tune it to Score North on 1500 or live.scorenorth.com or find us on the Score North mobile app and we will be taking your calls and your feedback and your takes on social media as well. It's the uh, the best post-game show you're going to find in the Twin Cities and Vikings Vantline is also five days a week, Monday through Friday with Judd Zolgad and Danny Cunningham. So Sage Rosenfels joins us on Fridays for Sage Football Wisdom and we're going to, we want to play some audio for you, Sage Rosenfels, but... Before we do, what are your general feelings about Greg Williams? Oh, um, <laughs> that's how you guys start on my, on my Friday here. <laughs> uh, going back there. Um, we want to get it out of the way first, there. and we'll lighten the mood. <laughs> well, you know, I had my coffee this morning watching uh, Mike Greenberg, uh, ESPN in New York, and, and they had Jonathan Vilma as one of the, the people on the set, and, and, you know, they asked him about Greg Williams. I'm like, well, of course, what he's up. Uh, of course, he's going to back him up and say he doesn't, uh, you know, teach a dirty. But it seems like there's a there's a long history there. Uh, but you know, I also the, the the person who's talking about it, Odell Beckham, uh, he always seems to sort of be the constant victim, and you know, uh, he got hurt in a preseason game and, and those types of things. So I actually think this smoke is more based off of just Be- Beckham's uh, opinion more than you know something that happened uh, you know last year. Uh, in a game of what he was telling us. Right, well, let's let's set this up here. Jeff. Okay, so OBJ came out in his press conference, I think, yesterday or a couple days ago, and basically said that he's now being told by his Browns teammates that that Williams, who was the the DC in Cleveland, 
a year ago told the uh, the Browns defenders to go after OBJ and try and hurt him. Well, now Williams is with the Jets in the same role, and obviously Beckham is in Cleveland. And so, of course, the New York Press today asked Greg about this during his press conference as the defensive coordinator for the Jets, and here's what Greg Williams had to say. Odell who? That was a joke. <laughs> that was Jerry. Uh, you know, that's just, you know, those are the things. I think there's been several players. I just found out about it, but we've got several players that have already come out and, you know, that have mentioned things about that. We don't do that. I've never done that anywhere I've been. Uh, we don't do anything to hurt the team. It's, it's the number one primary thing. If you're committing penalties, you're doing those type of stuff. We just don't do it. And, you know, and you guys are cooperating, giving him attention. Just don't give him attention, you know, and it just is what it is. Sage, your thoughts, because the, the one thing is, if you do go back and Google Greg's name, he very much apologized for the Bounty Gate game, uh, the, the 2009 NFC title game between your club and the uh, Saints. Yeah, so it's hard to believe somebody now when they said they'd never done that before, but everyone knows they did that before. So that is the hard part <laughs> yes. of this whole situation. Uh, but again, I, I sort of feel like, it's Odell trying to make more smoke than there is, you know, make some smoke in the fire maybe um, or whatever. But, you know, Adele loves that attention. He's one of those guys. He is in Green – or not he's in Green Bay. He is in Cleveland, uh, Ohio now. He is not New York. He does not have the national media at his, you know, doorstep uh, every single week and, you know, at his locker and things like that. It's a smaller market, and that's the way it goes. I, I played for different teams. It's different going from New York. Uh, to a smaller market. So I think he needs attention. He misses having attention. They got their, their tails kicked in last week. And I was trying to pick a fight, uh, you know, with, with a coach that he doesn't even know. So, um, but yeah, there, I, there is obviously a, a pass there with Greg Williams. Uh, what happened in 2000? And that was pretty well documented. And, and for him to say that, that, that it didn't occur, uh, I think is, uh, I don't know what's the word is. He has a, a lack of a recollection that uh, that I think is pretty shady. I saw Jonathan Vilma today. I think it was on a first take, and he was saying that this this style, this aggressive style that Greg Williams coaches, it's more for mental warfare than anything else. Because a guy like Odell Beckham gets hit hard, and he thinks twice about going across the middle again, or maybe just doesn't go across the middle again. And Beckham making these comments is an indicator that it's working, that Greg Williams is winning this mental warfare. But isn't there something to be said about Odell Beckham putting a spotlight on this and maybe the referees ha- have an eye uh, on on what the, the, the Jets' defense is doing this weekend? The, the, I think they'll probably keep an extra eye on it. I mean, obviously the NFL will probably, they'll probably cover it, uh, you know, on all the major networks, uh, in particular if there's anything in that game, you know, so... My guess is the refs will keep an eye on it, and and uh, and you know, well, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll just see what happens. I have no problem, by the way, of a coach, whether it's an offensive coach, um, you know, if you're if you're an offensive line coach, and we we know about this Kubiak system where you're running down the line a lot of times. There's a lot of cut blocks, which defensive line don't like, and sometimes a cut block goes bad, and a guy hurts their knee. But 99 out of 100 times, that does not occur. Uh, And uh, you know, if you said as no line coach. Hey, we're going to be running down. We're going to be slicing them up this week. I don't really have an issue with that. All right, but it's not actually saying we're going to, in, you know, dive into their knee and try to injure them, which I think was sounds like that was the case ten years ago. Yeah, Sage Rosenfels with us here, and also 
If you want to uh, go back and do a full deep dive into the uh, Greg Williams NFC Championship game that we're sort of referencing here, we did a two-part podcast series on the Minnesota Sports Rewind feed all about the 2009 Viking season, the uh, return or the or the arrival of Brett Favre to Minnesota, and then a full deep dive into that game. So go check that out anywhere you guys find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or the Score North mobile app. So speaking of Gary Kubiak offenses, what was your impression of the Vikings' road grading approach to beating the Falcons in Week One, and what parts of that do you think they can carry over sustainably going forward, starting this weekend with the Packers? Well, I think if you take grades for you know whether it's quarterback or defensive line or defense in general, the secondary, you know, the, everyone likes to grade these position groups over the course of a game. Uh, I would say you're talking about road grade. I would say offensive line play A or A plus for the run game. I mean, it was really good. Uh, there weren't very many negative yards runs. Uh, there were a lot of obviously big gainers, big holes. You know, a monster hole in that touchdown run, which uh, you know, which wasn't very good defense. But I mean, they they ran the ball great. Pass protection was not so great, and, and you know, Kirk only threw ten passes, uh, and I believe he was hit on five of them. You know, fifty percent rate there. So that is an issue that they have to. You know, constantly be aware of, you know, throughout the season is, you know, how many hits does a quarterback take and, and how are they going to help with pass protection if that ends up being sort of a, a challenge for this offense line. But, you know, running the football, man, that was great. And what was cool about it was, you know, it, we always talk about this outside inside zone stuff, but they had some real big runs play on what we call a power scheme, which is basically a couple double teams, uh, and, and a guard, the opposite guard pulling around. Uh, and it's a different style of football. And, you know, they had a couple, uh, big runs, maybe even a touchdown run on those power schemes. So it looks like they got a couple other things in their playbook, uh, and not just that zone stuff. So, you know, keep, uh, keep defenses off balance. So it was, it was a great effort. I mean, Dalvin Cook, if he can get some, some, uh, some green grass, he has explosion that I haven't seen too much. Uh, as I watch, it sort of reminds me of Percy Harvin. You know, Percy Harvin, you turned that, that kickoff return for Super Bowl. Uh, in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, uh, he just shot out of there like a cannon. And and this guy, Dalvin Cook, he has that ability. So this system, if he can stay healthy over the entire year, he could have a monster year for this Vikings offense. Sage, what do you think the ideal amount of pass attempts, because it's clearly going to be more than 10, is is for Kirk? Are we talking about something in the 20 range, 25 range? What do you think, if Gary has his way, is the ideal amount of pass attempts that we might see from Cousins in a game? I mean, I don't want to give the, uh, you know, political answer of, you know, as many attempts that needs to win the football game. He needed 10 attempts to win that football game the other day. Right. Uh, you know, there's going to be times this year where they're going to need 50. And, and hopefully there is a game or two where they have to go and get 40 or 45 or 50 and they, and they somehow win. That means that, you know, the game was put on Kirk Cousins back and he and the offensive line, the receivers, they, they made it happen and, and won in the shootout, right? I will tell you this. Over my years with knowing Kevin Stefanski, who I think is a really smart guy, my years of playing for Kubiak, who I think is a smart guy, they will not continue to, you know, pound their heads into a wall and get, you know, no yard games. If the defensive line is just dominant that day and they're, you know, gone the first half and they can't get any yards running, they'll switch it up. They'll switch it up if they need to score some points and go and throw the ball a lot. So they will do whatever, you know, they need to do to win the football game. And, you know, the first one this year sort of reminds me of that first one in 2009, going to Cleveland, Ohio, uh, far through probably about 15 passes or something, and, uh, and Adrian Peterson went wild. And so, you know, you, you only have to throw as many as you need to. And if you never have to throw a pass, 
man, that'd be the best way to win the Super Bowl. So um, <laughs> my guess is Cousins will probably throw somewhere between 25 to 30 balls a game. I got to imagine would be, you know, they would consider a, a balanced offense. Aaron Rodgers was as happy as I've seen Aaron Rodgers last week and it had nothing to do with throwing touchdowns. He's just glad he has a defense. Is that is that defense for real in Green Bay, do you think? I think so. And listen, I, I watched a lot of this uh, Chicago Bears offense. I do a show in Chicago, and all I talk about is Mitchell Trubisky. So I just watched the offense, and and they do, they have a lot of weapons over there. they got two or three running backs I like. they got a couple receivers that are smaller guys that can really run. Uh, their tight end was out in that football game, and their offensive line I thought played pretty well last year. They all got embarrassed the other day. The receivers couldn't get off blocks sometimes. Uh, the line got dominated in, in, in various schemes, whether it was just a four-man rush or a multiple different blitzes that definitely confused Trubisky. Uh, and they shut down, you know, guys like Tariq Cohen pretty dang well, who are very, very explosive. Taylor Gabriel, another guy, very explosive, and so. This is a good defense, and uh, you know they were. I think they were okay last year, uh, but this is a very, very good defense this year. Mike Pettin, always well known to be a good coordinator, and uh, you know he and Matt Lafleur have gone back years. They go back to the Cleveland Brown days, and so uh, Mike Pettin's a good defensive coordinator. They've I think drafted pretty well at that spot, and they got some real studs along that defensive line at least through week one. So, Sage, uh, Aaron Rodgers in his mid thirties, thirty three, thirty four, thirty five, his last few seasons here. If you look at, and I'm just kind of cherry-picking a little bit here, but if you look at his last three years, which only really makes up for like 24 or 25 starts because of an injury and, and obviously just one start over this year, but if you took his completion percentage, his yards per attempt, and his traditional passer rating and uh, and ranked those statistics based on last year's NFL quarterback rankings, he would be 26th in completion percentage, 20th in yards per attempt, and 13th in traditional passer rating. Do you think Aaron Rodgers has peaked, or do you think, much like Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and you can even make a case for Brett Favre and Peyton Manning, there's another act in his late 30s? I do, but I think somebody needs to have a talk with him, and and maybe this has already occurred, uh, but I feel like he needs to understand if he's going to really win a lot of football games, it's not because he's trying to be Superman. And, you know, we saw Peyton Manning at the end of his career. And, I, and Aaron has a lot more years than Peyton had when he only really had, like, that one good year left. But he understood defense and, 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 and you know, short passes and being the game manager. You know, guys like Alex Smith win a lot of football games, and they don't have the talent uh, uh, that Aaron Rodgers has. So I think what he needs to understand is, listen, I think this football team's pretty good. You know, their running back last year, I believe, led the NFL in yards per carry. They just didn't give him enough carries. You know, Aaron throws the ball too much. He takes a ton of sacks. Uh, I believe 53 sacks last year. We talk about all the things that all sort of the magic he creates and the trouble he gets out of, and he bounces around and makes a great throw. He took 53 sacks last year. We thought Kirk Cousins took a lot at 40. He took 53. So that's an issue. He needs to get the ball out. And, and for me, I think they need to have a little bit more of a – you know, maybe more tight ends and, and a little more run game, a little more play action, not being shotgun so much. And even if they are, he needs to get rid of that football quicker. I, I really do believe that's on him, you know, some of these losses, because you, when you get sacked a lot, you're now in second long, third long, you're punting, you know, those things, of course, which then just create more problems. You know, you have to throw in third and 15. Well, that's no fun. And he might take another sack. So uh, he needs to probably change his game, get rid of the football a little bit quicker. And I think the Packers would, would win more games. Why, in, in your mind, Sage, do, does he not throw 
throw more to do that because that's the one thing is is my theory has always been he watched Favre for a long time and thought to himself, I'm never going to irresponsibly throw the ball and get it picked up. But, I mean, you can throw the ball out of bounds. You, you can do lots of things. As you watch him on film, why do you think that Aaron struggles so much to, to unload the football when really the play has become almost hopeless? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. And, you know, Favre ran around his first. I think about that sometimes. I'm not sure how much Vikings fans think about it, but... You know, I think about the difference between, like, Andrew Luck and, and Peyton Manning, where there was no overlap, right? So, you know, you saw Aaron Rodgers playing college, and he wasn't like that either. He was in a very structured system at Cal. But then you watch Favre uh, and the things that he does, and I think that really sort of added to Aaron's game to, you know, be able to take chances and take risks, maybe holding the ball. But Brett, I don't think, did it nearly this much. Uh, he didn't like getting hit, you know, as, as for tough and everything that like he was. He'd stay in the pocket. But he didn't like getting hit, and so he'd get rid of the football, then take hits a ton, and occasionally he'd run around. But you know, I don't know why Aaron again takes so many sacks. No, no quarterback wants to uh, you know take sacks, and I truly believe that you know uh, the number of sacks you have um, uh, offensively that is one of the worst stats you can have at the have over you know forty stats. I think that says a lot about your team, uh, and you know a lot about uh, you know how you're trying to win games, and, and usually you don't get to go to the playoffs when you get sacked a lot. So. Tom Brady, one of the best last year, not getting sacked. And, uh, and of course, they won the Super Bowl. And, and he's old and can't run around at all. One of the reasons he takes so many sacks, Sage, is because they, he doesn't he doesn't want to run the ball ever. And one of the things we talked about a lot in my time in Milwaukee was his freedom to audible at the line and often audible out of run plays and into pass plays because he thinks he's the best way for the Packers to win. And he's probably right a lot of the time. But do you think as he gets a little bit older, he's going to be willing to hand over more of the responsibility to the run game? Well, you know, let's see how this season goes with Matt LaFleur. I I think this story is just getting started. I think we'll see how it all flows out. Uh, You know, if the Vikings start off 6-1 and and Kirk's throwing 18 balls a game uh, and and the Packers start off, you know, 3-4, and and they're throwing a lot, but their defense is ranked well and they run the ball well, you know, at some point there's going to be a conversation and say, listen, uh, you know, Aaron, you know, we, we, I know you're an amazing player. I know you think you can help out this team more, and we know, and you can, but let's just try a different style one time. Let's just leave more run plays on. I know it, there's a, there's a probably a, a path that you think you can get to that's better, but let's leave some of these, uh, uh, run plays on and let's let you, uh, uh, be clutch on third down. You know, I've been saying, I'll say that this year with, with Kurt Cousins, he's got to be clutch on third down. He's going to be clutch in the red zone. He's got to be clutch at the end of halves. That's when a quarterback makes their money. First and second down is easy to put up big numbers. You make your money third down, red zone at the end of halves, at the end of football games. That's why Tom Brady is so great. Uh, and that's where I think if Aaron can try to be clutched during those times, not always on first and second down, it would put him uh, in less bad situations. Yeah. Uh, big game, big game tomorrow. Little Iowa, Iowa State action. Yeah, very, very excited. We have game day for the first time, the ESPN game day for the first time uh, coming down to, to Ames. So that's very exciting. Uh, supposedly to be about 110, maybe 120,000 wow. people in the basically tailgate area and only 61,500, uh, will, will get inside. So I actually had a chance to talk to Reese Davis the other day. That was sort of cool. Uh, I hadn't talked to him before. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens in the game. Iowa is a very, very good football team. I think they got a good chance to win the Big Ten West this year. My dad actually saw them uh, play back in Iowa City last weekend, and you know Iowa State did not look great in their first game. Won in triple overtime against Northern Iowa, who's always sort of a pest 
uh, to both uh, Iowa and Iowa State. So it should be a great game, and it's going to be cool to have sort of the, the superstars of college football uh, right there named Iowa. Are you going to be uh, shirtless with body paint on game day tomorrow morning? <laughs> a few few white claws in, or what's what's going to happen? <laughs> well, you know, I, I have, I'd have to go probably get my, uh, my back uh, waxed uh, before I head up <laughs> to the game. So, no. I don't think so. I will be there. I'm going to try to stop by game day, check it out. And, and uh, they're doing uh, one of those uh, safety home uh, builds uh, tomorrow morning, also in the, uh, the south end zone. Uh, it's a, a Sukup, uh, the Sukup family. They own a big uh, grain bin company in Iowa, and they make these safety homes. Uh, they have about 400 of them, about 300 in Haiti and, and a whole bunch of some in Africa as well and some other places. So it's a pretty cool thing. And they have a whole bunch of Iowa and Iowa State former players, Tim Dwight and and, uh, you know, Jeff Settles, an old Iowa basketball player, Dallas Clark, a lot of Iowa and Iowa State guys will be there. That would be a lot of right. fun. Well, if, if you do decide on the back wax, I think Judd has signed up for some tandem back waxing, so you guys can <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, that's a problem yeah. of mine. I didn't yeah. think yeah. it was a problem of yours. <laughs> that's going to be great social, <laughs> I, I, social media I, content. Yeah, hashtag I'm content. Some, uh, I'm having some Judd 40-year-old version. Uh, 40-year-old version uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Right <laughs> You're welcome. All right, bye, Sage. Enjoy Ames. Talk to you. All right, All right guys. All right, Sage Football Wisdom every Friday on this show. So actually, starting next week, we've decided we love talking to Sage so much, and Judd and I did just such a fun deep dive into the 2009 season. We're going to turn Sage Football Wisdom into an expanded standalone piece that you'll be able to find on our uh, Mackie and Jeb with Rami podcast feed, too. So that was good. Nice. Game day. Must be nice. I feel like... It's never happened here. I feel like the Gophers have been like... One one bad loss away, like where they start six and zero in two thousand three. I was going to say, like I think two thousand three would have very... won that Michigan game. Then game day probably shows up in a couple. They were of weeks, close, right? For sure, but alas, but alas, they're in Ames, Ames, and they're not in Minneapolis. Yep. So uh, we still have write that down, and Leroy Butler is going to join the show. Leroy Butler, legendary Green Bay Packer, who can shine some light on. Packers Vikings rivalry. Federated Mutual Insurance Company is here for you business owners out there. And by the way, for the second year in a row, Federated was named a top 150 workplace by the Star Tribune. I mean, the people of Federated Insurance are the best. I've been out there a number of times to get to meet uh, people from all levels of the company. And I can tell you, they're committed to helping your business and serving our community, doing both things. Because uh, over the past 15 years, Federated and the Federated Challenge has raised over $35 million for big brothers and big sisters in Minnesota. Uh, it's a Minnesota-based company, Owatonna, since the early 1900s. And they will bring that same culture of service and community and commitment to your business. So if you own a business, make sure you call your local Federated Insurance uh, marketing representative today or go to federatedinsurance.com to find out about the industries Federated protects. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Time for the Score North Download. Jonathan here with this download. This is where normally I tell you something that you probably, that we haven't been talking about generally, but this time for the download, I'm going to give stuff away. I'm giving away another wow, four-pack. generous guy. Giving another four-pack of tickets away to... The St. Paul Saints, they look to lock up the American Association Championship this Saturday night at CHS Field. They won games one and two out in Sioux Falls, I believe, or Sioux City. And so game three tomorrow night at CHS Field, pivotal game three. If they win it, they win the title. One lucky winner will receive a four pack of tickets to game three of this Saturday night's American Association finals between the St. Paul Saints and Sioux City Explorers at 7.05 p.m. 
For tickets to Saturday night's game or games four and five, if necessary, visit saintsbaseball.com. Lucky caller number five, two, six, five, one, six, four, six, eight, two, five, five. Right now, we'll get those tickets. That's when you're scoring with download. Now back to Mackie and Judd with Rami. All right. Thank you, Jonathan. So, Judd, you said off mic you see a winner on Sunday. All of us have kind of been sitting here all week saying, I don't know. like Because before, Judd said he saw the score in his head. He knew yeah. what the final was on Sunday, but just couldn't couldn't tell which team had which score. Yep. The crystal ball was still foggy. So Had things cleared up for you, Miss Cleo? Toothbrush in hand this morning mm-hmm. as I... Oh. As I clean the old choppers. Mm-hmm. That's a sick, I brush my teeth brag. <laughs> well, I, fl- flex, I, fl- I floss at night. Yeah. Weird, br- weird flex. <laughs> As I was going back to get the molars, uh-huh. I, uh, it came to me. 24-17, which has been my score. I'm not changing my score. Vikings. Oh. 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 24-17, Vikings win. Oh. All right. I got my reason, too. Here's why. Did a vision come to you about how this would happen? That's not that's not a there game yet. winning drive by Kirk Cousins. That's not there yet. Okay, but the reason the reason came to me because of this: Packers defense is improved for sure. Vikings defense is just flat out good, right? Mm-hmm. Vikings offense, I think, is run. How can I put this without seeming like a put down? It's run wisely. I'm not saying it's dynamic, but it's run wisely. I like what they're doing offensively. Yeah. Packers' offense is a work in progress. Vikings' defense is very good. So I could see the Packers easily scoring 14, or as I said, 17 points. But the advantage to me is the fact that I think the Vikings' offense, because it's just it's basically being run. Like the whole LaFleur-Rodgers thing is still work in progress. Men working on offense to get it right. Where the Vikings are like, okay, here's what we want to do. And Cousins is not this dynamic player. So it's the Packers offense, which is which has not come to fruition yet against a good defense in the Vikings. That's why I see it that way. Here, here's another. I like I like where you're going with this. How many teams in the NFL have three different ways of which they can lean on to beat you in a football game on a regular basis? Because I would argue the Vikings have three. The Vikings can lean on you defensively and win a low scoring game. The Vikings can also lean on you, apparently, as they did in Week 1 against the Falcons in the run game now with Dalvin Cook, one of the best running backs in the NFL. And even though Kirk Cousins might not be Tom Brady or Drew Brees, they've got some of the best pass catchers in the NFL. They can lean on you in the passing game. You know, I I wouldn't look at the Bears necessarily and say, well, they're going to lean on you in the passing game and beat you a bunch of games this season, right? Just like I wouldn't look at the Packers up until this year and say, well, they're not going to lean on you in the running game or the defense. It's Aaron Rodgers that's going to lean on right. you in a game. Yeah, The Vikings can lean on you defensively, run game, and in the pass game this year. And I don't know how many teams in the NFL you can say that about. Well, do we know they can do it in the pass game? Yeah, I, I think, I'm, I mean, not as much as the Drew Brees like Saints the short, have been, I think the short yes. pass game, yes. If, the deeper I don't know yet. My definition of this is, can the Vikings score 30-plus points relying largely on Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, and Stefan Diggs, not every week, but in four games this season? And the answer is yes. I, I want to say, I would like to see the Vikings on Sunday take only three, but three deep shots. But like, I, if you're dropping back to pass a lot and trying to go deep downfield, I don't like that. But if you're going short, let's say, to uh, Delvin Cook, Thielen, Diggs, tight ends, that's great. And if you get if you do that and get rid of the ball quickly, I think you're fine. 
The problem is now if you get cute, which I don't think Kubiak will, and you're like, okay, okay Kirk's going to drop back um, 10 times and throw. No, that's not going to work. Not yet. So I don't trust this offensive line yet completely, but I do think if you're going with the short passing game, I think for now you're fine because that's not going to require a ton of protection. So we'll dive into a lot more Vikings Packers throughout the rest of the show, including when Leroy Butler joins us in about 30 minutes from now, who was one of Rami's old co-hosts on uh, The Fan in Milwaukee. But this story popped up on citypages.com. I couldn't believe your guys' reaction to this. This was yesterday, yesterday and I am sick. I was like, really? I'm still sick about it. Really? Forget Cole Stewart. Cole Stewart's got nothing on this to me. Cole Stewart. I have no problem with Cole Stewart compared to what you're about to read us. Running him out there like that. The Dinkytown McDonald's has been one of Minneapolis's weird, uncelebrated landmarks since the 1970s. Uncelebrated? What are you talking about? Celebrated by us. Celebrated a lot. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly right. It's not so much beloved as it is iconic with its sunken exterior and its keystone location. It's one of those uncanny places that only seems to fully exist after midnight. That is true. And now... It just might be coming down. CA Ventures and ESG Architects are eyeing the site for a new high-rise apartment building because we need another one of those, apparently. I think we do. Either 16 or 25 stories tall. It's supposed to have somewhere between 350 and 370 units, a 1,000 bedrooms, a parking lot with 240 stalls, and three or more commercial spaces. McDonald's isn't the only business on the proposed site. It's also bearing down on Five Guys, the Pagoda, and now-closed Himalayan and the liquor store. I gotta say, half of my college food memories were at this McDonald's. Okay, it's McDonald's. This makes Dude. me so sad. Though, Hold the, on. before we have this discussion, the character. Does, does McDonald's advertise with us? Uh, no. Okay, it's but McDonald's. They, actually, Dude, come on. But, but they did before somebody said so. no. But I think the. But it's the character of the camp. Do we not the have? Do of we the not campus. have enough general apartments on that campus? Do by we now? not have enough McDonald's everywhere? Okay, but it's not just the McDonald's. <laughs> a couple. Wait, McDonald's. wait, wait. A couple of years ago, it, it was a restaurant iconic. I think it's fair to say called the Big Ten, which was on the sort of. This sort of magical block, old school block. Yeah. And guess what? That Great came down sandwiches. to build what? A high-rise apartment. So we've lost Campus Pizza. Yeah, that's another good one. We've lost Big Ten Restaurant. We've lost Harvard Market. Yep. Right? Yes. Harvard East and Harvard West. Yep. And now Whole we're thing. losing the two-level McDonald's on the iconic corner of Dinkytown. For what? An apartment. Another apartment. The more apartment buildings there are, the lower rent will be, and that's all I give a damn about. There are McDonald's everywhere. You pro- who cares about a McDonald's? Yeah, yeah. Everywhere except there now. Well, yeah, I'm sure there's Spoken one like a man the who probably thinks the new Wrigleyville is great. I love new Wrigleyville. That's awful! Look, I see the value in, like, a good old dive bar. But other than that, like, I don't get, I don't get people who get upset with things getting newer and fresher and cleaner and better. Like, this is... you And... This is against all the logic that we preach here on the show of people fighting progress when we talk about robot umpires, when we talk about, well, when I talk about retractable roofs. Things yeah, get you better. You talk about retractable things roofs. Things get better you. as we move forward. Why fight it? Why fight it? Why fight it? Because character means something to this country. <laughs> character. <laughs> Do we get rid of old sure people because they get old? <laughs> what? Sure you about that statement, Judd? Character? Character means something to this country. It should. It should mean something. There should be two level old school McDonald's on every block in America. That's what I'm. That's what I'm running on. 
that's my get, campaign I pitch. I don't get really getting attached to places in the first place, but especially not a McDonald's. Like if they tore down Wrigley Field, that would hurt. That would that would be a blow to me. But a McDonald's, a McDonald's. You know, two of my most prominent college memories came at that McDonald's. One actually was only a foggy memory. It's the drunkest I ever was in college after a rousing game of wine pong. And I went there and housed three McChickens at like 2 o'clock in the morning. And I don't remember the rest of the night. Did you say wine pong? Wine pong. That's right. Does that not sound like the worst idea ever? Red wine. It sounds like a really Phil Mackey thing to do. Yeah, no, wine. we don't eat beer pong. Like a McDonald's? That's White Claw had not been enough. invented yet. White Claw was not invented yet. So I had, and I, I, I had not really had a lot of red wine in my life up until that point. Like, oh, I mean, that's like just like beer, right? It's just a little fancier. So they took those little, those little red solo cups that you use for beer pong, and instead of filling them halfway up with beer, they filled each one of the ten halfway up with red oh wine. Oh my god! You're crazy. Goodness, son. Oh my god! You are crazy. <laughs> Huge mistake. How are you still here? <laughs> Probably. He almost be. died in that McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> the other, the other prominent memory I have from that McDonald's is one of my best friends from high school brought me to that McDonald's with his new like business associate who pitched me on a pyramid scheme. Is that McDonald's? Is that McDonald's? Yes. Second level of that McDonald's. No offense to And we, by the way, like have not really spoken since. He made it weird. Like he tried to get me involved in a pyramid scheme, and I was like, "It's ridiculous." And it was at that McDonald's. Wait, wait, wait. So somebody took you. Now I see why you miss it. Somebody took took you to a restaurant to pitch you on on a pyramid scheme, and it was a Mickey D's they took you to. That's correct. Like if I'm going to get pitched on a pyramid scheme, I need Murray's or Manny's. Make me think you're making money. (laughs) Thank you, McDonald's. There was a there was a second meeting. There was a second meeting at Baker Square. <laughs> oh, you really classed it up, didn't you? At least it was, you know, a sit-down restaurant. You know what I mean? And, and he Good said, I'll now. never forget, the guy, not my friend, but like Could've the guy. Taco Bell. The guy goes, uh, so what do you what are you doing right now for, uh, you know, what are you going to school for? What do you do? And I said, well, I'm a I'm a producer at a radio station. And, you know, I'd like to, like to do radio. And he goes, well, let me tell you what. If you want to make real money, if you want to make a living doing something, you're not going to be a professional radio guy. Take it from me. This is where the money's at. This is where the money's at. And like, you should have said you took me to a McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> so and don't big, tell me where the money's at. And a Baker Square, by the way. So I like fun. Baker Anyways, Square, the good pie. Going to miss that McDonald's if they do indeed tear it down. So, All right, let's come back. We'll make our predictions. Three predictions each. It's called Write That Down and an accountability session where we go through all the correct and incorrect predictions from the last week on Mackie and Judd with Rami plus Leroy Butler in 20 minutes. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Rami. Write it down. You like writing things down. Write this down. Write that down. Write that down. I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that. All right. The time has come. Write that down. For all of us to face the music. It's write that down and an accountability session, our favorite segment of the week or our least favorite segment of the week, depending on how many we got wrong. We make three predictions each every single week, and we keep track of them, unlike every other sports radio program in the country. And uh, we hold each other accountable for our incorrect predictions with batting average and slugging percentages and everything. And uh, we even have we even have one of our regular predictors going complete diva mode this week, which we'll get to in just a moment. But are you guys ready for the carnage here? Is it? It was a bad week for everybody. 
Look at you right now. You're like, because he just had a good. You're like, I had a good week. He just had a good week, so he doesn't want to hear. Week last week, I was creeping towards three hundred. I was creeping towards the three hundred bat again. Not going to matter. What we say, Rami. Bring it on. Fear in Rami's voice right now. So let's start with listeners. And by the way, if you have a listener submission for write that down, just tweet at Phil Mackey or at Score North S K O R North, and we will uh, sift through those and get a couple on the board. Like Barry, for instance, friend of the show. He tweets in this prediction that Kirk Cousins will wind up as the uh, will wind up the regular season as one of the top ten quarterbacks in the NFL. Now you didn't specify by what measurement, so we're going to use the quarterback cesspool measurement of QBR to make sure that uh, we can quantify that. But Josh H said that Chad Beebe will win the third wide receiver spot, but this is where parlays get you in trouble. He said he'll also be named Mister Mankato. <laughs> He was not. He was not named. That's him. very Zolgadian. <laughs> Just went a little too far. There. Yep. Uh, Vikes fan 1930 said Byron Buxton will hit exactly 35 home runs this year. That's not going to happen. No. We're ready to miss exactly to 67 games. That's going to be tough. Yep. Uh, Pace said the Tigers would win at least two games against the Twins in their next two series, the, the last two series, and he was correct. They did <laughs> win a couple there. Let's go to Judd. Judd, you said Byron Buxton would finish with 20 or more home runs. You said Antonio Brown would never play a regular season down for the Raiders. Not, oh, that's wow, got to well be, that's that's, gotta be that's worth, a big one. That's got to be worth something. What do you guys think for that that's one? That's Sano that in the run? catch last night bouncing up. I'm thinking up that's a home run. To the that's, ball. Yeah, that's a homer. I'm going to give him a home the run. Con- the new contract. He gave up pieces. <laughs> Judd is I think that's a home run. That's a big old bat flip home run. Judd is uh, literally up dancing yeah. right now and, and jogging. No, I'm going on the bases. So. So. Got the Encarnacion parrot on my shoulder. Nice job. Uh, All right. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, let's see. What else did Judd predict? You said that Kyle Rudolph would catch the first touchdown of the year for mm-hmm. the Vikings. I, I meant Adam Thielen. But you said Dan Bailey would not miss a kick on Sunday. And that Byron Buxton would hit 250 or better for the Twins this year. He finished with a 262 batting average. This is a good week for a good old Judd. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. good. I said the Twins would sweep the Indians last series. That Byron Buxton would hit 250 or better with at least 20. Oh, you parlayed. And that, uh, remember when the Twins called up that lefty, Andrew Vasquez? Like, they saw something, and he was a lefty, and he was going to come in, and he he had an infinite ERA in his first outing and got sent back down? yeah. And I said, he'll get called back up, and he'll have an ERA below 350 for the Twins this season, when it's all said and done. (laughs) Did he die? Like, no one, like, (laughs) never got called back up. His baseball career did, Yes. Let's see, guest predictors. Matthew Collar at one point said that Royce Lewis would make his Twins debut this season. Mm, Didn't happen. Jonathan, you said the Vikings would beat the Falcons by no more than seven points. That didn't get... That didn't do well. No. You said Stefan Diggs would score the first touchdown of the season for the Vikings. Within the first five plays of the first drive. Uh, That Buxton would hit at least 25 bombs. But you did say correctly that Kirk Cousins would fumble at least once. Yes, he did. And technically, I think he was charged with two fumbles. He was. So he's off to a flying start. I was pretty proud of that. (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Manny predicted that Kirk Cousins would throw for at least 250 yards on Sunday. However, Manny uh, did say that Thielen would catch the first Vikings touchdown of the year. I think that's a triple. 
Sure. Okay. And that Grady Jarrett would have at least .5 sacks of Kirk Cousins on Sunday. That did happen. He had a sack. So Manny with a nice little week, two for three. Mm-hmm. Rami, you said Dan Bailey would miss at least one kick on Sunday. Mm. That Dalvin Cook would score the first touchdown. That Buxton would hit 25 bombs or more. And that La Tortuga would get 200 plate appearances or more in August and September combined. They better play a long game <laughs> against the Indians this weekend if that's going to happen. So an 0 for Man. 4 spot for Rami after a nice week last week. And that means the current batting averages are as such. Judd is back over 300 at 307 on the season, slugging 574. A nice second half of the season for Judd. Rami, you are in second. Actually, the listeners are even leading Judd at 339 and slugging just under 700. The listeners are having a great year. Rami, you're uh, hanging in there, 284 batting average okay. with a 522 slugging I'll take percentage. That. That's solid. This is my rookie year. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Solid little, debut little, like, so far. Pete Alonso, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. You're going to shave facial hair? No, that's not happening. Mitchell? There's a very fat face under here. Super fat face. <laughs> um, I'm hitting 238 and uh, slugging 492. Jonathan, you're at 232. The guests are at 217. And Manny is up to 187. On the season. Write it down. You like writing things down. And uh, Manny was feeling so good about his two for three week and his batting average being up to 187 on the season. He put some sunglasses on in the hallway and said, uh, I'm going to get out of here. I've got an entourage and a limo waiting to pick me up. <laughs> and he actually has an assistant making his picks wow. for him did today. He, did he throw a title belt over his shoulder yeah. on the way out to the Ric Flair robe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So his assistant will be Ross Brendel from the Score North Gopher Show and Ross our promotions guru Ross. behind the scenes. Yeah. Hey, Ross. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you, Rami. Yeah. Good. And Ross has been instructed by Manny to make Manny's picks as close to Manny's voice baritone as possible. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Now, did Manny give Ross his predictions or is Ross making predictions for Manny? They were sent via text. Okay. And if you want to talk about being set up to fail... Be asked to impersonate Manny. I don't know. You guys, you guys are pretty close. Write <laughs> <laughs> it down. You like writing things down. I have known him since 2007, so maybe that will count for something. But I'm doubtful. He has been over here practicing the entire accountability session, trying and to get it right. I see Declan. I see Ross in the hallway, and I'm like, "Hey, man! Oh, what's up, Ross? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all make that mistake." Yeah. Write this down. So we'll start with Judd. We'll get over to Jonathan, to Manny's assistant, Ross. High maintenance Manny's assistant. And then uh, Rami and myself. All right. We ready? My first write that down for this Friday. Eddie Rosario will be traded by the Twins this offseason. Wow. Eddie Rosario. Well, there's a. I always torn here a little bit because I think they're going to have to trade one of those, one of these so called sort of core guys. But I'm going with Eddie will be traded. Interesting. He's been terrible in the second half. I know he has. Write it down. You like writing things down. Write this down. Jonathan? I know you guys are trying to be positive at the beginning of the show about the Twins. I'm not going to do that. They're going to get swept this weekend. Wow. Swept. Swept. And still win the division. I'm not saying that, but they're going to get swept. Write this down. Okay. Quick quick pull the room. Parlay it. If they get swept this weekend, do they still win the division? Yes. 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 Yeah. Manny's assistant? If they get swept, yes. Okay, that was you did not ask Manny. You got to do it as Manny. You got to do it as Manny. From now on, you have to be Manny. Yes. 
Find that voice. All right. Good practice. We're uh, over to Manny's assistant, Ross, making predictions on behalf of Manny. What's your first one? The United States. <laughs> <It's about. laughs> I'm out. Oh, that was good. The United States men's basketball team. It would be a lot easier if you guys weren't laughing at me. I can't. I'm not laughing. Will not win gold at next year's Summer Olympics wow. in Tokyo. Wow. You want me to read that again that in its entirety? It's a stretch. Oh, that, feels like, that feels like an overreaction to a tournament like, they didn't the care about. 40th best players in the country. Okay, Write this down. Over to Rami. Uh, twins take two of three this weekend. Exactly two of three? Two of three. Okay. Yes, it's fair. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Uh, write this down. Uh, Rami's... Explain to the audience what you've got a little V-neck Bears shirt mm-hmm. and v- and uh, Bears hat. So it's yes. Bears Friday for you, yes. right? Yes. So I hate to break it to you because they lost serve in week one, losing a home game to the Packers. And now they get a couple of road games and then the Vikings. The week one loss to the Packers is too much to dig out of. And Mitch Trubisky is not good enough to uh, carry the load. The Bears will miss the playoffs in wow. 2019. Yep. Wow. Already? The Bears wow. will miss the playoffs. Write it down. You like writing things down. I, Shovel, I think they're going to be formidable. Dirt already. Going to be formidable. Oh, okay. I still think they win like nine games, but they're going to be. That was a. That's a tough do one the, to. Do the Vikings and Packers in your mind make the playoffs? The Vikings do. Okay. Yeah, the Vikings. But the do you Vikings think the Packers do. do too? I mean, do you think it was one, two, three Vikings, Packers, Bears? Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I'm not sure yet. Write this down. Write it down. You, you like writing clearly. things down? I don't. I don't see the Packers clearly yet. I will see the Packers more clearly after this game against the Vikings. Fair enough. I'm not going to give you the exact. Uh, I'm not going to do the write that down final score that I gave you for Vikings Packers because I just I see it clearly, but I don't. I'm, I'm going to hedge because I don't hedge enough. The Vikings will give up 17 or fewer points on Sunday. Okay. So I'm just going to go with the back end of that score, which is I think the Vikings are going to win, and the Vikings defense, which I am fairly confident in, will give up 17 or fewer points on Sunday. Okay. That's fair enough. Write it down. You like writing things down. Write this down. Back to Jonathan. More on that Vikings game. Aaron Rodgers will throw for less than 200 yards this weekend against the Vikings. Wow. I'm I mean, good Mike, feeling about this defense and not a good a feeling good, about that offense. Good game. I mean, Mike Mike Zimmer probably has Aaron Rodgers' number more than any defensive mm-hmm. coach or head coach. Is it fair to say, Ryan? Him and Lovey Smith gave him the most the most difficulty, for sure. Okay. Write this. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right, back to Manny's assistant, Ross, making predictions as close to Manny's voice as he can. <laughs> Staying, <laughs> you're such a good start. Staying with the Vikings, they will attempt a special teams. Hold it together, guys. I didn't think it would be as funny the second time around. It is. The Vikings will attempt a special teams trickery play at some point on the road this season. Okay, on the on the road. This, this, is, this okay. includes awfully specific. Oh, it's getting more specific. This includes yes, Manny, a fake field goal. Okay. Fake punt or unexpected onside kick. <laughs> Sounds like a tornado warning. This includes Matamidai, Bloomington. Next time he's just recording these. <laughs> no, no, this is, is no, are you kidding? This is now a bit. We're getting a rotating cast of people to come in and do Manny's voice. No, this is great. And he has to do long predictions. So they have long reads. 
Write this down. Write it down. You like oh, writing man. things down. Write that down. All right. Ooh. Back to Rob. All right. The Packers will hold the Vikings under 90 yards rushing on Sunday and win the football game. Oh. Yeah. So you're going Packers beat Packers Vikings. beat the Vikings. Okay. Yeah. Mm, I don't like it. I don't want to predict that. See how it is? Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right. I didn't really have... Uh, all right, I'm going to go on this path. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Kirk Cousins throws for over 300 yards in this game. He threw for over 400 yards in the first matchup uh, against the Packers last year, week two at Lambeau, same thing. I think there's been so much made about the Vikings' run-first approach and the fact that he only threw 10 times and they've got the shackles on Kirk Cousins. Based on what Rami said, the Packers are going to make an effort to thwart the Vikings up front, and Kirk Cousins will wind up throwing for over 300 yards in this game. Write that down. Write it down. You like writing things down? Write that down. I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that then. My last write that down for this Friday, Dalvin Cook will rush for at least one touchdown on Sunday. Okay. Dalvin Cook will have at least one rushing touchdown. You're trying to protect, you, protect your batting average here? I'm trying. Happening? Yeah. Well, I'm. you know what? I'm bunting. I'm hitting for power. I'm spraying the ball all over the field. And and just to be uh, specific, you're saying a rushing touchdown. A rushing touchdown. Rushing touchdown. Okay. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Jonathan? That watch that Odell Beckham Jr. wears during the game. <laughs> Write this down, boys. It's going to get broken this weekend. Okay. That's it. Is Greg Williams going to instruct somebody to rip oh, it yeah, off his for wrist? Sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, why not? Why Where do we have a chain? Didn't we have a chain snatching incident? Yeah, it was Michael Crabtree and Richard That's Sherman, right. wasn't it? That's right. Was yeah. it Richard Sherman? I think so. Wasn't it? Did he grab it? From- no. No, it wasn't oh, Richard Sherman. I forget who it was, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't Richard Sherman. That was a, that was a that was a Giants uh, Carolina Panthers game. I feel like. Write this down. Write that down. I, I don't have a pencil. Josh Norman. Josh Norman. Was it Josh Norman? At the time? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes, it was. I just Googled it. Okay. All right, back over to Manny's assistant, Ross, who is doing Manny's no, picks. No, it was Aqib Talib. Aqib Talib did it. Thank yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Guys? <laughs> My Tennessee Vols football team. Is it getting worse? It's getting worse. Well, no, not. it's improving. My Tennessee Vols football team will not cover 28 and a half point spread against UT Chattanooga. Gee, man, what was your first clue that they might not cover? Yeah. Was it when you called for the head coach's firing yeah. two games in the season? <laughs> Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right, back to Rami. I think Cam Newton's going to retire at the end of this season. Write Whoa. that down. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, I was going to say, that's verbally binding. If that, okay. Yeah, Cam Newton is retiring. <laughs> no, I was to write that down for a second. I, I thought it just like had an epiphany. Well, you, you can't say that in this segment. It's verbally binding. <laughs> hey, you know what else is going to happen? So if it happens before the end of the season, correct? he loses then, right? He does lose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If, the, if, if Cam Newton retires in week 15, based on the verbiage of this prediction, Rami does not get it correct. Yeah, no, are you I'm, okay with that? But yeah. just to be clear, if Cam Newton comes out in week fifteen and says these are my last games, I'm done at the end of the season. He does get then it. Then I get it. That is correct. Okay. okay. Yeah. So basically, your window is after the season up until week one. He's going to play. He's going to play this season out with the Panthers and then retire. Okay. okay. Yeah. Write it down. You like writing things down. Write this down. All right, write this down. Uh, all three of Manny's assistant Ross's picks or predictions will be incorrect. <laughs> But it was a oh, I, I think that Tennessee one is a lead pipe lock to be right. So there write it is. this down. That is Write That Down, one of our favorite segments. And uh, you can find Great it job, at Manny. 5 o'clock every single Friday. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> Mackie and Jeff with Brami on Score North and the Score North mobile app. Leroy Butler will join us when we come back. Join Dan Terrar and myself this Sunday at 4 p.m. for for Minnesota United and Ralph Salt Lake from Allianz Field. Pre-game at 4 p.m. with kickoff at 4.30 right here on Score North on AM1500, scorenorth.com, into the free Score North mobile app. Mackie and Judd with Rami on the all-new Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com. We'll wrap with Roycey before we get out of here at 6 o'clock. But joining us right now, Packer Hall of Famer, should be Pro Football Hall of Famer, and you can help him get there. Go to profootballhof.com slash vanvote. He is my friend, Leroy Butler. Roy Lee, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing well, guys. How's it going? Doing well. Doing well. Are you finally touting yourself that you should be getting into the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Because when I worked with you, every time we had a guest on to explain why you should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, you would walk out of the studio because you're, you you were way too humble to be hearing that. Are you finally campaigning for yourself like you should be doing? Uh, no. No, I'm still very, very... That's a nugget. Because not many people know that, but I do get very, very embarrassed by it. Almost like, here's your one chance you should be bragging. And it's just like, I just hate to state the obvious sometimes. So I used to, it used to make me very uncomfortable. Because I think Ron Wolf is even coming into our studios next week, and I don't even know if I'll be there for that. <laughs> You're just going to duck out for the whole show? <laughs> yeah, Ron knows that. I mean, I just kind of like, I don't know. I just I was never really comfortable, like, talking about my accomplishments. I just, I just, I don't know. It just makes me a little uncom- uncomfortable. Do the, the Green Bay Packers, for the first time, Leroy, in a long, long time, do the Green Bay Packers have a defense that you, a former outstanding defensive player yourself, can be proud of, do you think? You know, that's a good question because you think about the first, I guess the first three weeks, you're going to face some real good pass rushers. You know, you think about the Smith brothers who were brought in when you gave one guy $20 million, one guy $16 million. You know, a lot of people are like, who are these guys, the Smith brothers, and who is Amos? Oh, we played him twice in Chicago, but he wasn't the big man. He was, the big man was Jackson. You sit around and you think about what do they need to do? Did you have a pretty good defense? The last time they had a good defense was 2010, Super Bowl 45. This defense now seems to be, they try to give you a lot of different looks. And I think that's the good thing about it. You know, one week it can be the, the Smith brothers get a sack and have a piece, or next week it could be Kyle Fackrell. That's the kind of defense this, they're building up. What they like to do on defense, guys, is funnel the football to go where they want you to throw it. And I think that's the confusion part of it. It's not just a traditional 3-4 defense. You look up, there may be one lineman. The next look, it could be no lineman, all linebackers out there. So it's a good look. And for now, it seems to be catching people uh, a little bit off guard. Yeah, uh, Leroy, what is your favorite Vikings-Packers memory What's the what's the most what's the most fun you ever had playing in a game against the Minnesota Vikings? Well, I think the most fun I've ever seen is seeing the Metrodome cave in by snow. <laughs> <laughs> but I hated that place. They had no hot water. They had some guy riding around a motorcycle blowing a horn. I mean, they had these big speakers up by a ditch. We used to walk five miles to the to the bathroom. It was just a horrible place. And then to boot, you got John Orlando screaming at you 
every play, even during timeouts. It was just a terrible place to play. <laughs> but one thing about it, I will say this. I really enjoyed playing against Chris Carter, Jake Reed, and you know Robert Smith and those guys. We had a lot of fun competing with each other. Because you would think the Vikings and the Packers are like the Hatfield and the McCoys. You know, only like a gate separates you, but you hate each other. And you just love to just compete. And the one thing I will say is the Atlanta Falcons going there and beating them when I thought they were going to the Super Bowl was one of the best days of my life. But, oh, you may ask me one of my best dreams. Seeing them every time they get beat was my best dream. <laughs> yeah, that was uh that was the first that was the first time that was the first time I ever cried after a sporting event as a oh, as a Vikings fan I'm in nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he feels really bad. You yeah. can tell. Yeah, Leroy's Everything really <laughs> pouring through. Really putting well, his arm around me. I'm going to bring up the bread This is not Detroit, but I didn't want to rub it in. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's like five more of those too. If we keep going down uh, that Vikings path, what did hey, you you brought up? You brought up like you know Chris Carter, Jake Reed, that Randy Moss uh, three deep era. What was uh, when you guys were planning for those Vikings offenses in '98, '99, the Randy Moss, Chris Carter Vikings yeah. offenses? What were your discussions in the strategy room, in the film room, about Randy Moss in his heyday? You know that emoji when you see a guy with both his hands up, like, "What do we do now?" I mean, it's like, you know, who do you stop? I mean. Randall Cunningham was just going to throw it deep, and then they backed it up with Brad, I mean, uh, Culpepper. Just throw it up deep to Randy Moss or Chris Carter, who had the best hands in the National Football League. You just had to pick your poison. So we ran a lot of cover, too. We would double. We would always try to keep a guy over the top of Moss. But, again, that makes you susceptible to the run. It was a perfect storm of offense that they had, and it was so difficult in these meetings to figure out, okay, do we get Randy Moss 10 catches for 200 yards, or is Chris Carter going to get 12 catches? So it was just one of these things. You just hope they had a bad day. Where do you where do you put this current Minnesota Vikings wide receiver core? Well, I guess the two guys. You can't say the core because they don't even know who their third receiver is at this point. But where do you rank Diggs and Thielen among current NFL wide receivers? They're the best tandem receiver. They're route running. Now, it may be better individual receivers, but as far as, as, far as route running, in other words, if a route is 18 yards, they're there at 18 yards, not 19, not 17.5. These guys last year in Lambeau Field each had over 100 yards and a touchdown, and although the game ended in a tie, Adam Thielen was unstoppable. I mean, he really was. The guy was amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. and not to mention Kyle Rudolph down the middle. They just had the perfect storm of tandem receivers. And that was, Dalvin Cook wasn't even really that healthy. Now you put in my Florida State guy, Dalvin Cook, and I really like matching two of the backup running backs from Florida State. And these guys are deadly. Now, I will say this. I'll give you a nugget. Adam Thielen is on my fantasy team. And, yes, I am starting count. <laughs> Hold on, you're admitting to that? This is going to get back to Green Bay, you know. You know, I still talk to people back there, Leroy. Hey, I'm trying to win. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to win, man. I ain't hey, football ain't about fans. It's about winning. Rami knows that he won our league every year. 
Well, twice. I don't know about every year, but twice. And I'm going to do it again this year because you guys, uh, for some reason, made the mistake of letting me stay in that league. So I'll take your money and take it gladly. Well, it's only $35 and I borrowed that, so you could. <laughs> <laughs> hey, to go, go back to Moss, um, that, I'm going to try to ask, ask this question as tactfully as possible, Leroy. That, nine, that October of 98 Monday night game uh, against yeah. you guys in Green Bay, as far, as far as guys coming on the scene that you saw throughout your career, where does that one rank? Because that was really the first game where I think we went from saying, hey, this guy looks like he's special and I think he's pretty damn good to, oh my gosh, this guy is essentially changing the way that passing offenses in this league work. I'll tell you something. I, we get in a debate, which is a small one really, about who's the best receiver of all time. I think most people are consensus to say Jerry Rice. But what other people will tell you, the most feared, all caps, receiver ever in a massive football league is Randy Moss. There's no defense that can stop him. You just hope they don't throw it to him because the guy was 6'4", and, I mean, run a 4'2", 4'3", and we had two people on him, and he would jump over both guys and still score. And you just shake your head. I mean, just like a Jordan fight, a fadeaway jump shot. Sometimes after he made those the three against Portland, he just shrugs his shoulders. You just look at the defensive coordinator and say, "What do you do?" The best thing the book the book tells you to run cover two. That means a guy jams him, and there's a guy waiting for him 25 yards deep. He runs past both of them. It is just an amazing. I don't think we'll ever see a guy like Randy Moss ever. Yeah. It would have been, man, when, when he came back to the Vikings, the, the Metrodome roof collapse year that you referenced a couple minutes ago, Leroy, when Moss yep. came back to the Vikings in 2010 and Brett Favre was still there in his second year, we thought, um, oh, man, this is going to be Brett Favre. They connected one time for a touchdown, but I feel like that's one of the most what-could-have-been tandems, if not for maybe Favre being one year too old and Randy Moss maybe being also one year too old and... uh didn't really want to play for Brad Childress or the Vikings uh, when they didn't offer him a contract. But that that could have been something pretty amazing if it would have clicked in a different year. No question about it, because Brad would have loved to have gone just rogue and just throw it deep. Just look at him and just say, what do you want to do? A nine-out, okay, just run and just throw it. I mean, that would have been the perfect storm for real. But again, number 84 in purple was like giving a lot of defensive backs nightmares. I mean, he really was. He was just a special guy. Not to mention, he was a great guy, like, off the field. And that just made you just feel sick that he didn't get a lot of credit he was supposed to get. But I tell you what, guys, whenever – I mean, because my memories of him is not mooning our fans. <laughs> my, my memory of him is that Monday night game we just talked about how we could not stop him. After we go to the back to the drawing board, and he's still jumping over guys, catching balls. That's my memory of him. As a uh, lifelong Packer, if Brett Favre in 2009 had won a Super Bowl as a Viking, how differently do you feel about him today as opposed to a guy who, yes, played here, but ultimately now has, has gone back reconciled with Green Bay? If he had won a Super Bowl with the Vikings, how do you feel, Arroyo, about Brett Favre today? 
Well, we wouldn't be doing this interview. <laughs> no, that's a great question. I don't think. Now, I may be wrong, but I'm going to say this. Had he won, if they had to beat the Saints and go to the Super Bowl and win it in a purple jersey, his second Super Bowl, after he, after, oh, I was on that team as well, that failed to beat Denver for the second Super Bowl, I don't think that he would have been welcomed back to Green Bay. No, I don't think so. Speaking of Brett, speaking of Brett Favre, Leroy, we did a, a podcast recently looking back on that 2009 season that came up short. And Sage Rosenfels, who is his backup, he's part of our team here at Score North now. He said that Favre dejectedly, after throwing that interception to, to basically lose them the NFC Championship game against the Saints, sat down next to Sage and looked at him and said, "I choked." And Sage said that it was a a broken and defeated man. That was not the Brett Favre or the way that he would react when he would throw interceptions when he was your teammate. I remember you telling stories about things Brett Favre would say running off the field after throwing an interception. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember him young. And, you know, like early, 94, 95, he came out. He threw a couple of interceptions. He was all looking down. And I went to him and said, listen. Your job is to complete passes by any way necessary. I will go get it back. If you throw an interception, don't worry about it. Play your game. I remember against the Rams, he threw six interceptions. <laughs> it never bothered him. And he said, well, I may throw eight today. It didn't you know, I, and the interceptions are part of the game. That's not going to deter me. I can throw it over the linebacker, over the safety, and right up under a cornerback. And the only guy that got the whatever to do it. I said, no, you're the only guy that big enough to try it. <laughs> so it, it doesn't interception. So to hear that really is very humbling and really personal for him to say that because I never would have thought I would hear him say that because that's just the way he plays. That's why he never missed a game, and he's the best quarterback in my eyes to ever play the yeah. game. He ever, he ever slap you on the ass, Leroy? Only with a towel. We okay. only do towels. No bare hands. Towel is fine. It's okay. Not the bare but towels are fine. We're good with that. Once again, go to profootballhof.com slash fan vote and help get this man into the Hall of Fame because I'm a Bears fan. I know I'm talking to a lot of Vikings fans, but I don't care who you root for. Leroy Butler is a Hall of Fame football player and a Hall of Fame dude, and we appreciate it every time, Leroy. And, uh, it was good seeing you earlier this week, man. I'll see you again soon. Oh, it's amazing. You guys are awesome. And I'll give you my prediction real quick. I'm going to go Packers 21-17. All right. 21-17. Oh, All right. Cool. Thanks, Leroy. We'll talk right, soon, see you, Leroy. Thanks. Take care, guys. Right. Bye-bye. That is uh, Leroy Butler. And that was awesome. <laughs> I'll throw four more. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's a true quote. I think he said that. I'm lucky I didn't throw one. Amazing. All right, we wrap with Royce. By the way, if you ducked in late, if you're listening live, that is worth going back and listening to all 15 minutes of Leroy Butler and stories. And he's a funny guy. And Rami used to do a show with him in Milwaukee. So we'll we'll, we'll look to get him on whenever really, it makes really sense. And uh, 
Good stuff. We so. got to talk to Gary sometime, especially if you guys want dirt on me. The first time we got Leroy on, you all guys, in. Yeah, Gary is is all about throwing me under the bus. So we'll have to get Gary Ellerson on sometime <laughs> yeah. soon. And you'll probably hear from Gary Ellerson on Packer Ventline right here <laughs> on Mackie and Jeff. Don't do it, Bill. Don't do it, Bill. No, Bill. No, Bill. No. No, don't do that. Uh, but let's talk about the TV that we're going to be watching that game on from studio during Vikings Ventline or before Vikings Ventline. That's a TCL TV. We've got TCL TVs all over the hallways and the studios here at Score North. There's a reason why TCL is America's fastest growing TV brand. It's a combination of price, picture quality, and connected options. The convenience of having a built-in Roku device giving you 5,000-plus streaming channels and 500,000-plus movies and TV show episodes Sometimes I can get paralyzed by decisions. Like, I just, like, oh, there's 5,000 options. So sometimes TCL can be a problem for me because I'm like, ah, this is all of the TV shows. And all of the, these are first world great problems to have, though, because uh, you don't have to worry about, you don't have to worry about an external Roku device with a cord or uh, worrying about uh, if you're a cable or satellite subscriber and you feel like you're paying too much money. If you're a cord cutter, TCL is your fix for that. TCLUSA.com and any major local retailer in the Twin Cities. We wrap with Royce next. Mackie and Judd with Rami. Time for the Score North download. Jonathan here. With the download, you heard, I believe, Rami mention the podcast with Sage Rosenfels. It's been 10 years since that ride with Brett Favre. We're doing a deep dive into every aspect of that 2009 Vikings season. Join Sage Rosenfels. Bill Mackey, Judd Zelgad, and Ryan Longwell on Minnesota Sports Rewind, the 2009 Vikings edition on demand anywhere you find podcasts, or just go to scorenorth.com and click on shows, that's Minnesota Sports Rewind, before I hand it off to Mackey and Judd and Rami. Let's take a look at the lineup tonight for the Twins. you got Kepler leading off. He'll play center field tonight. Jorge Polanco, shortstop. Nelson Cruz, DHing. Eddie Rosario, right field. Mitch Garver at, at catcher. Luis Arise at left field. Miguel Sano at third. Williams Astadio at first base. And Jonathan Scope in ninth at second base. That's been your score north download. Now back to Mackie Judd Rami. Thank you, sir. TCL Broadcast Studios. Time to wrap with Patrick. And Patrick, as Jonathan just said... The rest of recovery boys, it appears, are actually back, or at least some. Not all, but some of them are. Uh, well, all because uh, they're probably playing a rise because they want to instead of cave anyway, right? So that's the only guy uh, missing now. And Marwin. And, uh, Marwin's still not back. I forgot about him. I think he quit. But uh, I think they said that before. I don't know what the hell. I mean, I, it, it, they told us it was an oblique, but I think he actually had three ribs removed. So uh, they don't like that game. It must have been major surgery. I don't know what happened to him. But, uh, yeah, he, he would probably wouldn't have been playing anyway. So you got your, I think they like a rise in the lineup. And they're going more and more to Garver as their catcher. And it's, uh, Costco's, uh, kind of being the old 50-50 deals being, uh, being, uh, changed here as they, uh, get to a situation they gotta win. And, uh, I, uh, actually got a report from someone there that their pucker factor is down to 14 nanometers. So, uh, for the, uh, <laughs> we're, we're measuring it as the nanometers is much smaller than millimeters. So, uh, we got, we got the, we got the, uh, uh, pucker factor way down today. They uh, would certainly like to beat this Savali kid today because uh, the next two days you get Clevenger and BB, and tomorrow you're going after him with an opener, and on Sunday, you know, you'd have a shot. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's getting uh, getting dicey, that's for sure. Yeah. Hey, I want to mention this. The uh, 
Cubs and the Pirates are already in the bottom of the fifth, and they've only been playing for two hours and 40 minutes here. There's been almost uh, 20 runs 12, scored. 12 to 7 now, but maybe something. Uh, the Cubs are sending up a guy with the bases loaded. The guy, Lester, with the help of a couple errors, gave up four in the top of the first, and uh, the other guy got one out, and it was, they'd already had five and hit three home runs in the bottom of the inning. So. The breeze must be blowing out in uh, Wrigley uh, today, and the Pirates are running out some terrible pitching at the same time. Yeah, is Cole, is Cole Stewart pitching for the Pirates today? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think we might have. Well, we might see Cole in a mop-up duty here in the last two weeks, but uh, I, I don't like his odds of being on the 40-man. Uh, I think he'll be out looking for employment at the end of this year. A number four overall draft. Game. Yeah. <laughs> what's the okay? What's yeah. your what's your best autopsy there? Is it okay, is he, he does doesn't, he can't miss a bat in the major leagues. He's, you know, yeah, what, it is amazing. Isn't it? I thought last year he kind of kept the ball down and had a little pop on it and might have a chance as a reliever, but oh, this year he looks terrible. I don't know. I think uh, he could be the next Chris Winky, though. He could win a Heisman Trophy as a 30 year old quarterback after yeah. a failed baseball career. That's a thing. Oh, like, like he, he was a top high school quarterback and chose to play baseball. Oh, yeah. yeah, he. I think like Texas A and M or somebody recruited him. Oh yeah, he was going to replace Johnny. He and Johnny were buddies. In fact, at his opening press conference, Johnny had just gotten in one of his first jams about uh, 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 with the parking tickets. Remember, he had like a hundred parking tickets he hadn't paid or something, and I. Asked him some question. I said, uh, "What? What? Uh, the A and M doesn't make their quarterbacks uh, uh, pay parking tickets down there or something." And he got a little offended because he loved Johnny. He was telling, he was saying what a great guy Johnny was, but uh, didn't quite work out that way yeah. in either case for uh, no. or for Johnny. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's nice to see the uh, lineup out there and uh, and see what happens. Yeah. They, uh, you know, it is uh, funny though that the, uh, you know, how everybody gets mad when they're on the road for getaway day, and then they're going to another city, and like the Angels schedule a night game, and they get into Texas at five a.m. and uh, they're always complaining about that. Well, the Twins did it to themselves yesterday. They gave themselves a night game. And now they're uh, now they're uh, complaining because they got to their hotel at four thirty in the morning or something. Now maybe the rain would have delayed them yesterday afternoon anyway. But uh, I, I cannot believe that the uh, Twins would uh, schedule a day game on a Thursday at the end of a homestand. It just was idiotic, if you ask me. And didn't both teams have to travel? Sometimes you'll do that. Yeah, at, uh, yeah. The, well, the Angels. I mean, not the, the Nats were going to. Where the hell are they going? I'm not home. sure where the Nats were going. Going home. Oh, they were going home. Yeah. So, so they got they got home later than the Twins did. Yep. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, I, you know you know who calls the shots on this though the regional sports network. So I want to play night games. So, and that's uh, you know the Twins were saying, well, we don't sell any tickets. We don't sell any tickets uh, for day games at this time of year. Well, you don't sell any tickets on a weeknight in Minnesota. When once school starts, anyway, even when you're in first place, you don't sell tickets. So uh, it was uh, really stupid, if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, we'll ask you the same question. We went around the room earlier in this hour, Pat. Let's say the worst case scenario for the Twins happens this weekend, and they get swept by the Indians. Do they still win the division? Ah. Uh... 
50-50. I don't know. I think they're, uh, I don't think Cleveland's going to lose a lot. I don't, you know, I know they got Philadelphia and they got Washington and maybe they'll lose some of Washington, a couple of games of Washington. But, uh, I don't know. They're coming home for a week and they don't, they haven't played that well at home. And, uh, they can, you know, they'll have Giolani, they'll have to uh, presumably chase G and face Giolita and the, the Whiteys. Aren't you know? Aren't terrible, and uh, I mean they're terrible, but they're not terrible. Terrible that you're automatically going to beat them. I don't know. I I'm sure everybody there saying yes because of the schedule, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't hold my breath on. I think I can see Cleveland. You know, this is a ten game homestand for Cleveland. They sweep the Twins, then they got Philadelphia coming in, and Philadelphia is Cleveland's better than Philadelphia, and you're playing them at home. What if What if Cleveland goes? Nine and one on this homestead, you know, which is distinctly possible. So I'd say no. If they get swept, they don't want it. Do you think? Like, do you think? Do you think people who've been following Boston sports, like, if this was the the Red Sox instead of the Twins, because like our minds always just revert to what's the worst possible thing? Well, they get swept, and Cleveland goes nine and one, and uh, Barrios needs Tommy John surgery because we don't really know anything else, (laughs) you know. No, I, I, if Michael Pinedo is still pitching, my answer would be yes. They'd win. They're still going to win. Yeah. But they do not have a starting rotation. They got two guys. Perez is a, is a sixth starter and Gibby's a ninth starter and you're using an opener. They, their starting rotation is horrendous because Pineda, uh, put him in a horrible situation. And that's why I, you know, they're going to send out pitchers against these bad teams when the other team has a better pitcher than they do. They get, they get, they have starting their starting staff right now is a fourth place team in a bad division. The starting rotation right now. You got two guys that are halfway decent. You got Barrios who's good, and you got Odorizzi who's you know, above average, and you got three guys that don't belong in a starting rotation right now, unless Gibson's going to show a hell of a lot more than he did last night. He was terrible. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there was no pop at all. Now, he does have a track record of pitching good against bad teams, so maybe, maybe after one start he'll be better. But, I mean, what the, the pitching is, the starting pitching so bad, I can't say yes if they get swept, they're still going to win the division. Yeah. Uh, all right, Pat. Well, we'll see what happens, and we will recap it with you on Monday, sir. Have see a good you, weekend. All right. All right, gentlemen. All right. Thanks. That is a wrap with Roycey, as we do every day here on Mackie and Jeb with Ronnie. But, that, I mean, this is like we're, we're just conditioned to brace, to brace ourselves as Minnesota sports fans in this town. What's the worst? Oh, yeah, like, they could go 9-1 yeah, and one good, on their homestand. good cause. And, oh, my God. <laughs> Boards Listen, over the windows. Yeah. It's a little windy. Let's put some boards on the windows. The bus is getting to October. The important thing to keep in mind in June. is the Tigers, Royals, and White Sox are deeply, deeply not going to care. Yeah. I but, mean, the Tigers. I mean, Jorge, Jorge Soler has like 44 in, home runs, so he's a guy that could ruin your, sure. ruin your night on a Friday. But there was, there was a time when I think the spoiler thing held some weight. Like teams were, were like, yeah, let's go, let's go ruin the Twins. It's 2019. You think guys care now? They're mentally on golf courses, and I don't blame them.
I, I would be too. I would just be physically on a golf course at this point. If I was like Whit Merrifield or show, somebody, would you just not show up at the ball? Or would you just be Listen, like, hey, guys, uh, it's great. If you need me to Skype in, <laughs> I'll be in Florida. Uh, team meetings. I'll be in Fort Myers. Yeah, I'll be at Pebble. This is so, great. Yeah, fantastic. See you guys at spring training. All right, boys. All right, Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Podcastable, Apple, Spotify, and the Score North mobile app. See you guys for Ventline on Sunday. There's a lot of broiness going on, man.